This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth. This was my sermon from October 9th, 2022, entitled, The Unwavering Commitment to the Gospel. I hope you enjoy, and God bless. My scripture this morning comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8-15, through 15, as you'd like to follow along as I read aloud. It is found in your pew Bibles on page 199. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But he, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is sure, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words, which does no good but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. Paul warns Timothy to keep his faith in a gospel that Paul has delivered to him. You see, Paul's gospel in a nutshell is this, simple. Jesus Christ raised from the dead. That's also ours. People ask me all the time, well, what makes us different? Well, we believe that Jesus raised from the dead. None of us can do that. Jesus raised himself from the dead. I want you to think about what Paul is trying to say. It's in this unwavering understanding that this person is bigger, better, better than anything that we've ever seen before. That Jesus raised himself from the dead. And then there's the second part of his gospel. He says that he's a descendant of David. This is important to him, you see. Paul's a Pharisee. His whole job, his whole life is to teach Torah. His whole life is to talk about the lineage of who comes before him. And David was the king that God had chosen. Paul didn't have to say or live anything else but to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and that he was one of their own, raised into glory. It's through this idea that Paul believes all the way to his deepest core that he can endure anything dished out at him. He knows that in the midst of his suffering, other people will come to Christ. 
through his efforts. And in that moment, they will, they will, they will receive the salvation that God gives to them through Jesus Christ. Paul's understanding of the gospel he preaches, at the end of this, he says, but you have to do your best. He even goes to as far as to say, to be approved as one of God's workers, a fine teacher, not ashamed. Last week we talked about suffering and, and, and I said and still believe with all the words that come from my mouth that God does not cause suffering. That is a human affliction. Suffering is a real thing. It's not something that we can avoid. It's happened since the beginning of creation when the earth groaned. Those moments, suffering became a real thing. But it's in that suffering that we find and we seek to try to understand how God is in our life. And here's Paul talking to Timothy as if he is trying to encourage Timothy, listen, I, you're not ready. The suffering that is coming is going to be beyond your comprehension. I have suffered enough for both of us your suffering, you kind of get the impression, is going to be worse. I find this fascinating because historically, we know that uh, the tradition holds that Paul was beheaded by Nero. The history or the Christian faith, not I'm talking big C now, was that it was, he was martyred. And the first Bishop of Rome, Clement, says that this whole story happens that in the midst of his death in front of an audience, Nero beheads him, but Paul does not fight because his suffering led him to that moment. To die in the name of Christ at this point was important to Paul. Otherwise, what was the point in going through all of it? Nero decides to try to make an example of or to make fun of him and in the midst of it, as we discussed in my Sunday school class, all of Paul's letters somehow make it into the canon. That is not consequent uh, coincidence. I think it's important for us to talk about that. The understanding that in this moment, he is talking about sharing in his suffering in verse 9. He says, because of this message, I'm locked up in jail. For him, the point of that suffering is not an op optional consequence of Christian faith, but almost itself a part of the gospel to share in Christ's sufferings as the way in which and how the resurrection from the dead comes to its full realization. What's the point, you might ask? What is it that we believe if we don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead? How do we know that deep within our understanding? 
It's from our discussions of scripture. It's from using the scripture to inform us. It's, it's from conversations about how the scripture lives and breathes within our lives. It's through Bible studies and Sunday schools. It's through worship experiences. But at the same time, Paul kind of drives me crazy. He has a lot of times that he'll say one thing to one group of people and then completely say something different to another group of people as if he was talking to multiple churches. Crazy concept. That not everybody has the same idea when they come to their faith in Jesus Christ. He struggles with the idea of baptism a lot. Uh, in the Jewish faith, baptism is not the way that we look at it, but there was a ritual cleansing that when you went into the waters, you went in naked. And on the other side of it, you were born clean. And you wore a white robe until a certain amount of time, and then you put your other clothes back on. It was a part of the ritual cleansing part of their, their daily life. So when Jesus is baptizing people, which we don't really have any biblical reference of, but John the Baptist is baptizing people, it's something different. Paul doesn't necessarily know what to do with it. However, scripturally, we typically use verses 11 through 13 to talk about the invitation to sharing Christ's life and death. Every time that we use our, our talk about baptism, we use Paul's words, even though Paul himself didn't exactly know what to do with it. So you're probably asking yourself, so Josh, what is this supposed to mean? I think the part that's important for me, and it's really hard to not get on a soapbox, is what is it that we are doing right now in your life that would give God pleasure and honor? I mean, let's face it, none of us really are suffering here in this place. We might be suffering emotionally, we might be suffering with uh, family connections, we might be suffering with different things, but our understanding of suffering for what it is that you believe in I don't think any of us in this room or even those that are watching online could truly understand the suffering that Paul is going through. To think that his head could be cut off just because he was a believer in Christ, we don't understand in any way, shape, or form. So this understanding, this knowledge, this digging deep into the scripture is asking us, what would we do right now that would give God and pleasure what are you doing that would elicit, uh, that would not elicit blessing? How have you been able to use the truth that you gained from God's words that have changed the world around you? That have made positive and healthy contributions in the name of God through Jesus Christ? I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the things that are going on in our world as far as in the name of Jesus and Christianity. It's, it's a terrifying place as a minister. 
I try very hard to stay away from the statistics of, of the church and the way that we grow. For those of you that read my newsletter article, you, you saw that the church is changing its dynamics and the ways that we're looking at the ways that we reach and, 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 and be a part of God's world look differently than they did five years ago, let alone 50 years ago. In the 50s and 60s, they did a very brief poll to see how many people were going to congregations or churches on a regular basis on Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoons or Saturdays. 80% of the United States culture, according to the straw poll that they took back then, had some connection to a church. In 2022, the straw poll that they took said there's less than 40% of people that know or call a regular church their home. It's terrifying. The church is struggling. I've watched ministers that I've grown up with that I respected and admired and that were deeply rooted in their faith and understood, understood God and Jesus way better than I ever could have imagined. They knew scripture deep and in, 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 in depth in such a way that not only could they read and speak Greek and Hebrew at sight, they just knew it, like flowed out of them. And in the last 26 years, as I've watched them suffer in their belief in Jesus Christ, as they would challenge congregations to think beyond the box as they read scripture and to hear the word differently. I watched ministers wither down to nothing and choose different professions. They would much rather grab a shovel and dig a ditch on the side of a road than work with people that had no interest in hearing the word of God differently. I watched congregations in the last 26 years eat themselves from the inside out, from their words and their actions and their deeds, and suffer along with 300 people as they go and worship all over the world and do all of these ministry things as they slowly let the venom of gossip and anger destroy them from 300 people to five. And the five declaring themselves victorious in the name of God. Totally forgetting that passage of scripture when Jesus refers to the one sheep that was lost. The shepherd goes to find them and celebrates. And then I come here. You all have ruined me. And I have become spoiled. How does a conversation about saying the wrong words work with you? It doesn't. Because as a congregation, you try to be better. You try very hard to be a non-anxious presence. I see it. You might not recognize that I see it. But I see it in the ways that you serve in the community. The things that you participate in the things that you volunteer for. I mean, between the soup kitchen, the food pantries, all of the clubs that we do that provide 
open opportunities for outreach. Our congregation, in some way or another, tries to do better. It's as if, I don't know, maybe you heard the words from Paul and realized that we have an unwavering commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. you have explored and shared scripture so that it was much more than just a book of information but a book of formation. But we're not done. The church cannot be apathetic today. We may see a decline in the growth and attendance of congregations, but that's our fault. We have become apathetic. We think that if we ask somebody to come to church, they're not going to come. We think to ourselves that if we reach out to somebody and say, can I pray with you, they will say no. We tell ourselves that in any way, shape, or form, that their suffering is much bigger or broader than anything that we can understand. At the end of the day, we find ourselves like Timothy saying, Yes, Paul, we hear you. However, what are we supposed to do with it? I hear Paul's annoying voice in the background. Do your best to be approved as one of God's workers. A fine teacher, someone that is not ashamed of living your life in the gospel. Continue to try. There is no such thing as a perfect church. You were pretty close. And I am a little spoiled. But we still try. Today we find ourselves loving one another as God has loved us. That's not always been the story here. It's not been that story forever. Paul's unwavering commitment to the Gospels continues to challenge us. And you can hear his voice as he's exhorting Timothy, saying, please, Try, 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 and whatever you do, do your best. Don't give it halfway. Otherwise, my suffering would have been for nothing. That should be our motivation. Those that suffered, those that died in order so that we have the ability to worship this way believe this way, that use the Bible past the, the understanding of information, but an aspect of spiritual formation. It's this idea, church, that we're being challenged to today and tomorrow and the days ahead. So what do we do? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.